we are in week four of a series called Arrows. And this Arrow series comes from the base camp of Scripture in Psalm 127. Out of all the 150 Psalms, two of them were written by who God says was the wisest man who ever lived. God said that Solomon, King Solomon, was the wisest man who ever lived. And he wrote two of the 150 Psalms. One of them is Psalm 127. And in Psalm 127, we read that like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. They are... Not to be, they're not a shield where we, we hunker down and we, we, we hover and we protect. No, we release them with faith and with clarity and with strategy and with prayers. We release them on the offensive to make a difference in a dark culture. They're arrows in the hands of a warrior. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. So the metaphor goes like this, that if children are arrows, parents are the archers, life is the archery range. And we're to lean into this metaphor by making sure we're preparing the right atmosphere for these arrows. And when we're, we're happy and we understand that children are a blessing, not a, not a burden, the outcome is they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, this is not only the family, like the parents will speak at their enemies at the gate, but the kids will. Here's what, it, here's what that means, speak at their enemies at the gate. In other words, they won't hunker down under pressure. They'll know how to deal with adversity in life. They'll know how to take on the big challenges. The way we prepare our kids is not by protecting them. The way we prepare them is by thinking of them as arrows that will leave our hand guided towards the bullseye. So I gave you an acrostic to begin with. We've been given a piece of the acrostic every single week. And we've talked about week one, aim. And the whole keystone habit was live towards the target. There's all kinds of circles around the bullseye. Survival, moral choices, good habits, good deciders, grades, education, all good circles. But the, the bullseye, as for me and my house, it's got to be Jesus at the center. I will, really won't understand and be able to define what morality is if Jesus isn't the center of our home, of the target. That's where we're aiming. As much as we'd love to aim our kids towards the college, towards the education, towards the grades, towards the sports, towards the whatever, if we're not aiming them towards Jesus, we're just not gonna, we're not gonna hit the bullseye like we could. Week two, we talked about release and the way you wanna keep your kids close is, is, is by letting them go. Learning how to give them rope when they make good decisions and how to pull the rope back when they make dumb decisions. Because guess what? Your kids are dumb sometimes. And so are mine. And we got to learn this whole idea of releasing and, 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 and knowing how to, to let go of the arrow in the right direction. Rhythm. <laughs> Rhythm was number three. And rhythm is all about setting the pace for the home, setting the pace of when to rest and when to discipline, how, how, how far to push the gas pedal and when to, go, when to push down on the clutch and let things kind of rest for a moment in neutral, how, how to have the rhythm of the home be the right rhythm. Everybody's marching to a beat of some drummer. Are we going to march to the word of God as the rhythmic cadence in our lives? And so today... Week four, we're going to talk about wow factor. We're going to miss the O. We're going to, we're going to go away from the O. We're going to end next week. And I want to tell you something. I've saved O on purpose because um, next week is a great week to bring friends. Even though it's the last week of a series, it's going to be a great week. Big, some object lessons and some fun stuff. But we're really, I, I, I believe I'm saving the best for last. So I hope that you'll make plans to be here next Sunday as I give you the final, the O uh, the, 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 oh, and it's not Oprah, you know, like I'll do all this and then follow Oprah. It's not Oprah. I just want to tell you, but it's the wow factor today. Week four is the wow factor. Have you ever met anybody that just stands out? They just have remarkable qualities. You know, a lot of people, but there are some people that they kind of rise above. There, there's something about them. There's something about their character. There's something about their giftedness. There's, there's something about their personality. There, there's just, they just, they just kind of got the wow factor. And it, and it doesn't mean that the wow factor is, oh, they're famous. There are many people that have the wow factor that you'll never know. But they just, they're, they're remarkable in the way they might treat other people or the way they think or the way they're, 
they're humble. And, and you see something in them that maybe you don't see in yourself and you aspire towards that. I want us to raise kids and be the kind of parents that exhibit the wow factor in the timber country of East Texas. That, that we would learn how to, how to model the wow factor. Does it happen overnight? No. Is it one thing? No, it's a thousand little things. But like, I want your kids to stand out. Guess what? Your kids are going to grow up <laughs> and they're going to be the new employees and the new managers and the new vice president of that organization. They're going to be the new person in political power. Like we want them to stand out and have the, the wow factor. Unfortunately, the, the truth is many, many people don't even know what the wow factor is. And, and what I want to do is give you a biblical foundation for what that looks like today. Harvard Business Review a few weeks ago, a few months ago, pardon me, uh, did a survey of a thousand employees. And out of these thousand employees, here was the common denominator between these 1,000 workers. All of them were tired of their job. They felt like they had hit a lid where they were serving. They, they felt like there was no other place to go in the organization, so they were disgruntled, they were mumbling, they were complaining, they just weren't happy with where they were, okay? Out of the 1,000, 97%, 970 of them possessed, self-admittedly, qualities in their own leadership and in their own uh, character that were negative qualities. In fact, through this process, Harvard Business Review identified 10 career limiting qualities. And these 970 out of the thousand had at least two of the 10. So they're complaining, they're complaining about where they are, but they also self-admittedly say, yes, I, I have those qualities, but they're not willing to actually change anything about those qualities. Here, here are just those top 10 that they came up with. Being unreliable, not showing up when you're going to show up, not showing off time, talking about other people behind their back, gossip, water cooler talk, avoiding responsibility. That's not my job. That's Susan's job. Have you talked to Susan in HR? Because HR really needs to handle that. I just have my, my, just plate, my plate is too full right now. Can you do that? We don't delegate, we dump, we avoid responsibility. Procrastinating, I'll get it done, I'll get it done. Yeah, I'm working on it, yeah, I'm gonna get it done. Get it done tomorrow. Yeah, no, it's, it's done. I, I just gonna, I'm tweaking it. No, I didn't get it done, it's not done yet. <laughs> Resisting change, we've always done it this way. Why are you always coming in? Somebody else came in with some big old ideas and those didn't work either and having a negative attitude. And that, that won't work, I've been here longer and you, man, I will, you, you, were, you were in your diapers when I started working at this company. Being disrespectful, having a short-term focus instead of a big-term, a big focus goal. Selfishness and self-centeredness, passive aggressiveness. No, it's fine, Janice. It's fine. We're good. And then you key their car in the parking lot. <laughs> and then avoiding any risk, not willing to really step out. So self-admittedly, 970 of these 1,000 employees that were disgruntled had control of these things, but they were limiting themselves because they... They just weren't working on remarkable wow factor kind of qualities. And we see that all throughout scripture. There are certain people in the Bible that stand out, that have remarkable qualities, the wow factor. One of them is the slave turned leader, Daniel. In the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, the Bible says that the King Darius, it pleased King Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, different leaders, governors, if you will, with three administrators over them. So you see kind of the organizational structure that Darius, Darius is the king, he's in charge, but he's got three executive vice presidents and he's going to put basically about 40 uh, other satraps under each one of those executives. He's, he's getting his org chart all figured out for the kingdom of, of Babylon. One of them was Daniel. Now, one of them is Daniel. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself Okay, nobody else distinguished him. He so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his what? Exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So he was going to go with this whole top-down leadership approach of three vice presidents, but he ended up saying, Daniel's so good, I'm going to have everybody report to Daniel. Why? Because Daniel distinguished himself. Now, he wasn't from royal blood. He was a Hebrew slave. He was a slave who still beyond, he could have had a victim mentality. 
He could have said this, Babylon hadn't done anything for me. But instead, he chose to not be a victim, and he chose to step up, stand out, distinguish himself by some exceptional qualities. And that's what I want to talk about, some simple but exceptional qualities that if, if you and your children and your children's children will possess and work on, they do, not, they, they do not come out of the womb full grown in these remarkable qualities. Like you got to work on them. But if we'll work on these, we're going to raise kids with the wow factor. So we're going to talk about today working on the wow factor. We're going to drink from the biblical fire hose today. I'm going to give you tons of scripture. Psalm 127 being our base camp, but we're going to jump into several scriptures. I've put just the notes. I encourage you to go read through all of these scriptures this week. It's a great devotional just to go through each one of these scriptures and pray that over your family. Pray that over your own personal life. So I'm going to give you five wow factor qualities that will distinguish your family from other families. Your kids among other kids. It's not how, it's not how good they can throw the curve. That might, that, might, that might work in select ball, but that's not really going to necessarily get them success in life. But these things are guaranteed to have a return on the investment. So number one, I must learn and I must help our children learn to be respectful to who? Everyone. Everyone. Are you sure? Everyone. Yes. Everyone. Everyone deserves respect. Respect isn't the same as accepting everybody's opinion. You can differ in opinion. You can disagree. But there's got to be a common level, a common denominator of a baseline of respect that's given to everyone regardless of their background, regardless of their current situation, regardless of their political views, regardless of who they are and what they've done. God expects us to be respectful. To kind of have a working definition of respect, it's to appreciate the uniqueness, value the worth, and affirm the dignity of everyone because God made them. And unfortunately, man, the Bible, oh, oh, the Bible, it leaves no wiggle room. There's no wiggle room on this. He's not like be respectful to everyone except you know who, <laughs> you know who. First Peter says it pretty clear. Show real respect to who? <laughs> I love it. I love the Bible. You ought to read it. It's so good. Show real respect to everyone. Now, when we're rude to people, we're basically, it's pride incognito. When we're disrespectful to people, it is basically saying, God, you didn't do a good enough job on them. You sure did a good job on me. Because they're not worth my respect, but I'm worth everybody's respect. It is pride in disguise, and pride comes before destruction. The Bible says that God, like a good running back, stiff arms. He opposes the proud. He stiff arms the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And you don't have to search very far for you to find the truth that we are becoming a, a more critical, condescending culture than we are a kind and caring culture. With social media platforms being full of good things, but having to sift through all of the negative, disrespectful stuff on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Do you know that, that, that just recently they announced Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are joining as one big social media platform? And they're calling it you twit face. <laughs> because basically that's all that's happening. Like you twit face. It's a, perfect, it's a perfect description. People, as I've said before, people yelling at each other at the top of their thumbs behind a screen with no repercussions except some stupid social media deal. Like we have to lean into this and know that we can't be a different person online than we are. I mean, we can try, but we... We, we have to be consistent in our respect no matter what platform we're on. Now, the Bible has over 50 places where it talks about respect for different people groups. I'm going to give you just 10, and we're going to drink from the fire hose, but I want you to write these down. 10 places God says to show respect. Number one, respect for God's name and 
word. You know, beyond respecting this building, respect for God's house, that's important. But you can come in and you can be respectful in God's house, but, but actually not respect God's name and his word. And, you know, it's, it's just not taking his name lightly. The Bible would call it this way, taking his name in vain. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Like, as simple as that sounds, a flippant attitude towards God is disrespectful. His word. And it's not about valuing the actual, like, the leather and the, the pages. It's... It's not taking lightly what he says. Ah, that's good for them, but that doesn't work for me. Or, well, hey, you know, the Bible says we're supposed to act this way. Well, you know what? I'm going to do the way I want to do. That's disrespectful to God's word. Proverbs 15 says, showing respect to the Lord will make you wise. Being humble will bring honor to you. We start with respecting God in his word. Now, people can take that to the extreme and they're like, they can make it legalistic where anytime they even write the word God, they, they're holding it so bad, like they don't even finish the word. They'll just put G and then a dash and then a D. And, and, and that's, that's to the extreme. That's illegal. God's okay with you saying his name and writing his name. It's okay. He's not going to be like, well, I would have let you into heaven, but just spelled my name on Facebook. Like, that's not how God is, okay? <laughs> He's not grumpy like that. But there, there's something to be learned from being, being respectful to the word of God. Tossing it in the back, tossing your Bible in the back seat after church. Or, or, or just throwing your Bible in the closet. Like, like it's not that, it's not that the Bible is God's word. That's the compilation of it. But, but, but figuring out how to be respectful for God's name and his word is just one way that we stand out and we become wow factor kind of people. Next, respect for parents and all the parents said a good. Yeah. Respect for parents. You know, one of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother, but it also has a promise attached like the other commandments don't. And the promise attached to this commandment is if you do this one, then, Ephesians 6 says, you, if you honor your father and mother, you will live a long life full of blessing. My mom and dad really didn't deserve to have honor, Pastor Jeremy. Can I say something to you? Regardless of what they deserved, regardless of how you feel about them, you honoring them is not about them. You honoring them is actually about you. So when we honor our father and mother, guess, guess what the response is? It's not that, and then they will think that they were the best and they really weren't. No, you'll live a long life full of blessing. Regardless of how they treated you, regardless of what they did, you honor them. How do, you, how do you honor them? By lifting them up, putting a place of prominence. Like, man, my, my parents were, were, were evil people to me. I'm not saying, like, you just let them hang out. There's boundaries. But not dishonoring them, disrespecting them, talking them down. The more you can figure out how to honor, the life is long and full of blessing. Respect for my spouse. This is husbands to wives and wives to husbands. We've got to respect each other, to see the value and the worth and the dignity of how we speak. I bet you don't talk to the staff like you talk to me, Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> well, I bet they don't talk to me like you talk to me either. Fine, 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 fine. That's never happened. <laughs> Today, it hasn't happened today. <laughs> let, me talk, let me talk to the husbands for a second. Guys, if you're a husband in the room, know that the way you, the way you treat your spouse affects your relationship with God. You're praying for something to happen. God, let me get that, let me get that buck. <laughs> Whatever, I don't know. The dollar and the deer, you know. Like... Let me get that promotion. Let me get that thing. Let me get that. I want it to work out. God help me. But if you're, if you're disrespecting your wife and you're praying, you know what the Bible says? Bi the Bible says that God actually won't listen to you. You can pray all you want. Look, look what the scripture says. You, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be physically weaker than you are, although I've seen some of your wives <laughs> and you. She, she may be. She may be. <laughs> Physically weaker, she may not. 
But regardless, she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And the scripture doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, and if you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. You cannot come into the worship center, hands raised, giving devotion to God, and treat people poorly. You cannot give God the worship he truly deserves and be disrespectful to others. If you're right in your opinion, if your opinion is right and it's biblically right, but you're rude and you're disrespectful, you're wrong. There is a way. Well, we're just going to get talked over. You've got to stand up for what you believe. Yes, you can follow the world's way of getting, getting the last word in edgewise. But you'll also have to sell some things in the process. Stand up the way God has called us to stand and be respectful. And there will be the wow factor in your life. Respect for spiritual leadership. Now, this, one, this one is interesting because I'm talking about the leaders in the church. Like, like your pastor. Like, be respectful of your pastor. But it doesn't just stop there. It ta- it, it, that's about, like, dream teamers that are serving. And so, like, if a dream teamer is in a parking lot golf cart and saying, hey, we're not parking here. You're like, I'll come to this church. I'll put money in the bathroom. Play. I'm going to park wherever I want. I'll park inside the worship center, so help me, God. <laughs> well, you can do that, but you would be stupid. <laughs> and, you know, the there's a test in our humility when we can follow directions with people that we don't owe anything to or that don't sign a paycheck. or So, so like, let, me, let me give you some very simple examples. Uh, spiritual leadership. So if, if, like, if, if, if like this section over here is covered in seat covers one Sunday for Easter and it's covered in seat covers, and like, I sit there every Sunday. I'm going to move that seat cover and I'm going to sit there. Believe it or not, that's not you saying, I'm exercising my right. It's actually being disrespectful of, of leadership. Now, that sounds, that sounds weird, doesn't it? But you got to think through, you got to think through the way we respect people. So when the, when the lawn sign at the elementary school says, please do not park on the grass, and you say, taxes pay for this grass, you're actually not being the way God has called you to be. It's a spiritual thing. It's not just a, I'm going to park in the grass, bless God, because I want to park in the grass. I'm going to move that seat. Like, like it's a sign of respect for those in authority. It just is. Our kids' pastor, our kids' workers, our, our dream teamers. Like, like there's just a sign of respect for one another when we respect spiritual leadership. Respect for older people. Respect your elders isn't something that, you know, Senate came up with. The Bible, and they're not doing a very good job of it either. Leviticus, show respect to the elderly. Honor older people. In this way, you should show, in this way, you show respect to me, your God. When you are giving honor to the elderly, when you show respect, look, our staff knows Monday through Thursday, like we all just know, like we, we don't park in handicap parking up here when the parking lot is absolutely empty. Why? Because it's just a sign of respect. Like, we're not handicapped. We're not going to park in the handicapped parking spot. Like, that's just a sign of, of respectfulness. I was standing at Chipotle, and some young kid came whipped around and pulled up into the handicapped parking spot. And his girlfriend got out on this passenger side and kind of said, oh, no, parking. He goes, like that, like, I got this. You know, like, whatever. I'm going to park wherever I want to park. And me being, you know, just quiet to myself and, and uh <laughs> I said, you would be surprised, actually, how quiet I can be. But, but I, in a moment of kindness, I <laughs> kind of flung the Chipotle door open. I said, hey, are you handicapped? I don't see a handicapped sticker. You're going to let your, your boyfriend just park in the handicapped? Come on. That, what if your grandma showed up right now and didn't have a place to park? Are you kidding me? Well, they kind of looked at each other, kind of froze, and he peed his pants, and it was all awkward. <laughs> And I came in victorious and got extra guacamole. And no, what I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is, like, respect, respect. And and handicap isn't just for older people. But it's, there's just a sign of respect that we can do by being kind, by opening doors. It's not just about chivalry. It's just about being the kind of people God's called us to be. Can I get, can I just get a 1A man on that? So, like, we got to respect older people. Oh, I'm not even going to. 
apply. Okay. Here's another one. Respect for unbelievers. They don't believe the way you believe. They have a different religion. They have no religion. You, you respect people when they, don't, when, they, when they don't agree with what you believe. Respecting doesn't mean accepting their beliefs. But there's a baseline of respect that we give. First Peter says, always be prepared to answer anyone who asks to share the reason for your hope, but you must always do it in a gentle and respectful way. And, and we're struggling with this in, in trying to find our virtual voice through social media with a lot less ramifications. Like there's, there's no way that many of us would talk the same way to people in person that we talk to people on Facebook. There is no way. Number one, you would be slapped three ways to Sunday. But, but it's just like there's this release and it's like what, what I am on, who you are on social media is just as much who God's calling you to be not on social media. You can't be two different people. You got you to gotta be who God's called you to be. Respect for the poor. Scripture says, if you're unkind to the poor, you insult your creator. Huh. Here, here's a hot topic one. Respect for the immigrant. Respect the immigrant. Now, this is a hot topic in our, in our political system, in our nation. Immigration. It's a big deal. Regardless of what side of the aisle you, you sit upon politically. But let me just read to you what, God, what, what does God say about immigration. Look at this. You must never mistreat any foreigners who are living in your country. Instead, you must treat them just as you treat your own citizens. Love foreigners as you love yourselves because you remember that your ancestors were foreigners at one time in a new land. I'm the Lord your God. Okay, now, here, here's what we can learn from this. Can there be a system that can be taken advantage of or not followed, and immigration becomes illegal? Yes. And we need to figure out how to do things the right way. Okay? But the Bible is clear on how we should treat those people. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't consider having borders or walls. One entire book of the Bible known as Nehemiah is all about building walls. Like, like we understand there's a process to go through and protecting borders. That's even a biblical thing. Having identification of different nations and having borders, it's important. But the way we talk about it becomes a political issue, not like actual people that have flesh and blood who have souls that Jesus died for. So, so like we can't get so politically piranha where we just, we, the, the blood is in the water. We're like, We've got to step back and know we're talking about people. We're talking about God's people. That whether they were right or wrong in how they got here, we need to figure out a way to respectfully make it right. Let's respectfully make it right. <laughs> Respect your enemies and your opponents. You know who does a great job at this? Congress. <laughs> Congress is just, just kids. <laughs> oh. Respect your enemies and your opponents. Matthew 5, Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But, but I'm going to tell you a different thing. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In this way, you show that you're the children of your Father in heaven. If you only love those who love you, do you deserve a reward? <laughs> if, if I only love those who love me, do I reserve any, deserve any kind of reward? That's kind of easy, isn't it? To I love you and you love me and we're a happy family. I cannot believe I just went Barney on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but here's what happens. In this way, are you doing anything remarkable? Is there any wow factor in your life if you only welcome your friends? Everyone does that, Jesus says. So like part of the wow factor, I believe, of this church, if we're going to really have the wow factor at Timber Creek, it's that not that just we're friendly, but that we make friends. There's a difference between being friendly 
and making friends. I want us to be the most making friends kind of fools the world has seen. I want, I want Timber Creek Church to be the epicenter of kindness and respect and dignity to anybody, even if we cannot agree with their choices and their lifestyle, that they can still know that someone shows them the love of Christ. Someone shows them dignity and someone is willing to become their friend. That's, that's, that's what this church ought to be about. That's what we are about. That's why we say it like this, a church anyone can come to. But, but, but people won't come to a church anyone can come to if the moment they walk in, there's a level of respect that goes way down because of the way they look or, or what they've done or where they are. Everybody's on a process. It's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. Respect government leaders. Oh, man. Oh, man. Regardless of how you voted, regardless of what you think, who should be the next who, with this, with this new, with this primary coming up in November and, and a very important election, regardless of what side of the political aisle you stand on, we respect our government leader. Look, look, look at 1 Peter 2. Show proper respect to everyone, love your spiritual family, reverence God, and respect the emperor. Now, our president is an elected official, not an emperor. But understand the context in which Peter is writing this. Well, I can't respect a man who does this or does that or does that. I didn't vote for him or I voted, but I don't like this or I don't like that about our president. Okay, regardless. In a, in a few years, it may change. A few years ago, it, it was different. Regardless of Democrat, Republican, you, you name it, show respect to people in leadership. Show respect to government leaders. And here's why it's so important to understand what Peter is saying. He's writing this in a day that the emperor Nero was slaughtering Christians. The emperor was massacring his friends. It wasn't that he just didn't agree with him about uh, 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 taxes. It was that his friends were being slaughtered by the government. And he says, show respect even to the emperor. Now, every position has a certain amount of respect given to it just because it's the position. And there ought to be a certain amount of respect you give to a position. Regardless if you can get behind their values, behind their character, behind their conduct, behind their Twitter feed. Regardless of all that, there's a certain amount of respect we give to position. There is. And it's not just like me saying it as your pastor. It's like the word of God saying, you're going to have a more remarkable life if you can figure out how to not bend under pressure and just go with the flow, stand up for what is right, but also live with a level of respect. How do you do that? How do you do that? It is the most simple foundational thing that many people don't even know comes from the Bible, but it's actually the foundation is the golden rule. It's the golden rule right there in Matthew 7. It says, everything do other, and everything do to others what you would want them to do to you. You want people to burn you up on Facebook? Okay, do it. Burn people up on Facebook if that's what you want them to do to you. You want, you want people to disrespect what you ask of them to do? So you park on the grass at school, but then people just, they're going to park on your lawn at the house. Say, man, you're running over my sprinklers. I'm going to do whatever I want, bless God. I paid for this car. <laughs> this sums up all the law and the prophets. Look at that. The word of God is summed up by how we treat one another. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. Those are just 10 out of the 50 different places God says, show respect. Okay, I got to run. Number two, I got to learn to be reliable. There's a lot of people in the workforce today, their reliability is like trying to nail jello to a tree. Not very reliable. And there's, there's a sense of, if you want to stand out, people got to know they can rely on you to be there when you said you're going to be there, to go when you said you were going to go, to produce what you said you were going to produce. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, there are plenty of people who will tell you, trust me, you can trust me. I paid for this message. <laughs> trust me. 
but it is hard to find someone who is truly trustworthy. That's hard to find. That's a character that Daniel had. That's a character trait that Daniel was so distinguished by he could be trusted. So what are some simple ways today you could start learning? How, how do you do the whole reliability thing? Always tell the truth. That's one way. Tell the truth. Like, don't lie. Respected people do not tell lies, Proverbs says. If you tell the truth 80% of the time, it's not enough. It's not enough. If you are faithful to your wife 28 days a month. But baby, the 28 days, I was faithful. I mean, two days, come on. Boys will be boys. Th th those two days are enough to destroy the 28. You got to tell the truth. Another way is do what you promise to do. That's why the Bible even says be cautious about shaking hands and pledge, like saying, you got it, checks in the mail. I promise I'll do that. You got to be cautious with promising things that you, like trying to write checks with your mouth that you cannot deliver with reality. Proverbs 25 says it like this, reliable friends who do what they say, I'm going to do it. And they say they're going to do it and they do it. Those reliable friends are like cool drinks in a sweltering heat. Oh. It's like iced tea on a hot summer day. Chicken express syrup tea. Thick as syrup, baby. Syrup of the Savior. Now the scripture goes on to, what am I doing? Scripture goes on to say, like billowing clouds that bring no rain is the person who talks big but never produces. Oh, I mean, you guys got people like that, right? They talk big. They talk a big old game. I can throw a football over them mountains. Like they talk a big game, but then they can't deliver. You want to have the wow factor? Do what you say you're going to do. Tell the truth. I mean, how simple is that? But yet it's very rare. Always keep confidential information. Always keep, like, like don't be a gossip. Don't be a gossip. This last week, Jane and I were privileged. We sit on a couple of advisory boards for some large ministries. And they had some meetings and so we left Texas on Saturday, and we flew to California, and we had some meetings there. Then we flew an early morning flight all the way across to New York and had some meetings there. And then yesterday evening, we flew back to Texas and got in late, late last night. And, and during that trip in New York, we, we went uh, to Times Square, and we were doing some shopping for the, for the kids. And, and we were in a, a little shop, and, and Janet had something. We were walking up to the cash register, and there were two people behind the cash register. And the girl says to the guy, okay, okay, I'll tell you. As we're walking up, I hear this happening. I'll tell you, but you have to swear that you won't tell anybody. I will tell you, but you cannot tell anybody else. And I just walked up, and, I, and, I, and, and she's saying that, and I said, don't do it. I said, don't do it. And she goes, what? And I said, I said, don't do it. Don't tell him. Look, look, like, like, don't, just don't tell him. He looks like a nice guy. You look like a nice guy. You look, you look trustworthy. Don't tell him. Like if you're whole, if you need to keep that secret, keep the secret. Don't tell him. She goes, but I trust, I like him. I know, I, I know. I'm just telling you like secret. Like when you start telling people, it's like, it's like having a bunch of feathers in your hand and you throw it in the wind. You can't get those back. You start telling them. She's like, uh-oh, okay. Do you want to check out? <laughs> or like, <laughs> I was like, all right, spiritual lesson over. I apologize for jumping into your, to your life there. Proverbs 11 says, gossips can't keep secrets. <laughs> but a trustworthy person can. You're never going to be remarkable. You're never going to have the wow factor if people can't trust you with confidential information. You, you'll never have the wow factor. If someone's gossiping to you, I promise they're going to gossip about you. Like we, 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 we run a hard line on a whole lot of sins, but the church has just been stained with gossip, criticism, rudeness about other people who Jesus died for. We got to be reliable in our actions and in our words. Number three, I got to be resourceful. You want to have the wow factor? You got to be resourceful. 
Philippians 4.13 is a very famous scripture like John 3.16. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you see it on banners and written on the, 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 the black ink underneath eyelids and underneath football helmets. Philippians 4.13. And it's on t-shirts for track runner. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But it's not, it's not like a sports scripture. It's not like a, I can do anything I put my mind to. You can do it. It's not that. It's actually about contentment. Because when you, when you back up the scripture before Philippians 4.12, it says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it's with a full stomach or an empty one. With plenty or with little. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's about contentment and knowing who you are and whose you are in Jesus, not about what you can accomplish because you put your mind to it and you picked yourself up by your bootstraps. So being resourceful is whether I got a lot or I got a little, whether I have a little or I have a lot, you're still, you're still Jenny from the block. Oh, gosh. How do you do that? How do you do that? Come to church, here, little Jesus, here, little Jenny Lopez, Okay. How do you do that? Here's what you do. You make the most of what you have. Stop complaining about what you don't have. Use what you do have. You know what? When we get a little bit more financially sound and we have enough money, then we'll get married. <laughs> you know, when we're financially stable, then we'll think about having kids. <laughs> you, do the, you do what you can with what you have. You do what you can with what you, what you have. Let me just pause for just a second. And I know that God has a plan for the family. It is the bedrock of social, of social st civilized stability is the family. And, and he values marriage. One man, one woman for life. And if you're waiting to get married because you don't have the resources, because you can't rent this, or you can't get the cake, or you can't... I want you to know, uh, you, 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 you call us, and if the only thing holding you back is like a little ceremony and some cake and punch, this church will provide that for you. Invite some friends. Come to our chapel. We'll have a deal. We'll have a little wedding for you. Because I'd, I'd rather you make it right and do the most with what you have than be waiting on getting married just because of some kind of little financial thing. Now, this ain't going to be like, you know, a Kardashian wedding. A Kardashian-ain't. <laughs> but but, it, but we'll do something for you just, just to make it right and do the right thing and make the most of what you have. In fact, there's a, a little saying, I think all of us would be better off if we, would, if we could figure out how to remember to say this every day and, and teach our kids to say this every day. Here's the statement. I'll do the best I can with what I have for Jesus Christ today. Your gifting, your talent, your development, your, your, who you are, not what you aren't, but who you are. I'm going to do the best I can with what I have for Jesus Christ today. So you got to make the most of what you have and you got to find solutions to problems others have overlooked. Like there's, there's some opportunities that you can find solutions for that other people aren't seeing. Like don't just see the problem, see the solution. Number four, I must learn to be resilient. There is brilliance in resilience. There is, there is some remarkable quality, some wow factor when you're resilient. You're able to take on the heat. You're able to get up after you fall down. In fact, the book of Proverbs says it like this in 24, chapter 24. When good people stumble, even if they fall seven times, not two, not three. I'll count to three, boy, you better. Like, I'm counting to seven. Seven times. They will get back up when they're good, the good people stumble, even if they fall seven times. Here's what I love about this scripture. It's not that they get back up. It's the fact that good people stumble. Like, you're not ever going to be just good enough not to stumble. The beauty of it is resilience. That even when you do stumble, even I fall short of the glory of God, I, I know that I can get back up and trust in the goodness of God 
and he helps me take on the next. How do I do that? How do I form resilience? How do I do that? Well, when things fall apart, you don't. You choose in the middle of the storm-tossed sea, you choose to be resilient. You choose joy. Joy gives us a buoyancy, a flotation. Joy is like a flotation device in the middle of circumstances that would want to sink you. But joy gives you trust in God regardless of the surrounding seas and circumstances. Paul writes it like this. We're often pressured from every side. Family, our kids, our finances, the job, balancing those things. We're pressured from every side, but we're never crushed. Sometimes we don't know what to do, but we never despair. Sometimes we're attacked and even abused, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and we keep going. Reminds me of an old powerful worship song in the 1990s. Okay, that, that's, that's, that wasn't the song I was referring to. It was, it was the song by a, by a worship leader called Daryl Evans. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. And then the tag of that song says over and over, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. In other words, even what I'm experiencing, I'm going to trust God and say yes to his way, not my own way. There's a resilience about that. Oh, what if, what if we could be the kind of parents that show our kids, teach our kids, model for our kids these wow factors? They'll be arrows into the culture. Let me end with number five. I gotta be respectful, I gotta learn how to be resilient and be resourceful and be reliable. But let me tell you this important one. I must learn to recognize and verbalize the wow. We're so quick to point out the speck in someone's eye. We're so quick to disagree in these days we're living in. Oh, that God would teach us how to recognize and verbalize the wow. It's one thing for you to see the wow in someone, to see the potential. It's a whole nother thing to see what, say what you see. So you can't just see the goodness in your kids and not say it. I don't believe there's a single kid that hasn't reached their full potential because parents, because parents told them they loved them too much. There's not, there's not a single child who's now an adult that would have been better off had their parents been less affirming. And I'm not talking about giving Jimmy a trophy because he was 17th place. Like, no, you lost. Your team is terrible. You're 17th place out of 16. Like, you didn't even make the grade. But your value isn't whether you can hit the ball, where you can run home, whether your team scores. Your value isn't who you are. I love to watch you play, whether you play terrible, embarrass me or not. I love you. Let's do some inventory today. Um, How many of you, if you're honest with God and yourself and maybe me and this crowd today, it's a safe place. You'd say, Pastor Jeremy, I I grew up, I kind of grew up in an environment that was not affirming. That they, uh, I didn't hear I love you a lot. I didn't have people speaking positive into my life, speaking goodness. I, I didn't hear it a lot. I mean, it's not that my parents didn't love me or maybe I really don't know if they did. I, I just didn't hear words of, of wow much. Has, has that been anybody's experience in the room today? Would you just raise a hand and be honest? Just keep it up. Just keep it up for a minute. Keep it up. It's okay. Just keep it up. (sighs) 
believe God wants to do some healing this morning. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. You can put your hands down. Andrea True, would you stand up for a second? Andrea, you are an incredible woman of God. You have an incredible husband, beautiful kids who love the Lord. What many people may not know about Eric and Andrea, they have served in many places very faithfully for years and years and years. And Andrea, you love the Lord, and I just want to say, you have made a difference in the kingdom of God because of the way you're raising your children. Maybe, maybe you realized there was some bumps in the road along the way. Maybe there's some valleys that felt like the shadow of death you had to walk through through life. But God has been with you and he calls you his child and your identity is in who he says you are and you are loved. You are a good friend to my wife. You guys have ran like miles and miles and miles together in marathons and like I don't know if I've ever not seen you smile and I know if I talk to your kids it'll be a little different but you you are a, a, a smiling woman of God who has a wonderful husband Eric you have a wonderful wife and I just want you to know you are valued and cherished by this church by your friends who happen to be your pastors we love you love you very much. God has good things in store for you. I, I, there may have been some times, but I don't know if I've ever seen a time that you haven't been sitting on the front row wanting to receive from the Lord and leading from the front. You're the head, not the tail. You're not the end, you're the beginning. God has good things in the future. Lean not on your own understanding. You're loved. You're loved. If we had time this morning, I would go to every one of you that raised a hand and I'd do my best to have Jesus speak through me to you. faithful in the dream team you love Jesus you've gone through a lot but he values you you're a commodity to God Jesus when he gets ready to start his ministry 30 years he's been a carpenter following in his daddy's footsteps and he goes into the water of the Jordan River and John the Baptist baptizes him and he comes out of the water and the Bible says that like the sky splits open. There's a voice from heaven and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, like, like, a, like a dove, like descends on Jesus. And the voice from heaven who is his heavenly Father, here's what he says. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And you know the beauty of God speaking so much affirmation from his son? You know the beauty of that? Jesus had not turned water into wine. Jesus had not raised the dead. Jesus had not gone to the cross. Jesus had not walked on water. Jesus had not fed 5,000. Jesus is just a carpenter. He's just a carpenter. He hadn't even gone through the wilderness for 40 days in temptation. It was nothing he did to earn the love of his father. Just who he was. God said, I'm pleased. And I want to say to you, he splits heaven and earth to say to you, he loves you. To say to you that you are valuable, that he even, you, you won't be able to earn his love. You don't earn it. He loves you anyway. 
whether you, whether you are on, on track with God or you've been running from him for years. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And he's pleased with you. And you're his son. You're not a slave. You're not a servant. You're his son. You're his daughter. And I want you to read the word of God, not just so you know the word of God, but that you would know all the wonderful things God says about you that you wish your dad would have said, you wish your mom would have said. But your father has already said it in the word. Oh, I wish I could go to every one of you, but I just want you to know your pastor loves you. Whether it's your first time or you've been here for years, I love you. And your God-given potential is our mission because we see it in you. Stand out. Be who God's called you to be and lead the way God's called you to lead. Would you pray with me? Eyes closed, heads bowed. Father, I pray affirmation over the men and women in this room. That even though I only got to put my hand on a, on a couple, I pray that everyone would receive the love of not a pastor, but the love of our Heavenly Father today. Wow, God, how much you love us. Wow. Lord, where we have fallen short, would you, would you, would you fill the gap? <laughs> would you help us where we've been disrespectful to learn respect, where we've been unreliable we start again today with heads bowed and eyes closed. The truth is this, you can't really understand the remarkable qualities of life without knowing the remarkable savior of the planet. If you're here and you've drifted from God or you need to start a new relationship with Jesus today, you say, I need to surrender to Jesus again. It's been a while. This is not an invitation to become perfect. This is an invitation to admit your imperfection and start following the perfect savior, that's it. And then he helps us along the way. If that's you, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna delay. Would you just put a hand up? I need to surrender to Jesus today. I need to surrender to Jesus today. I need to surrender to Jesus. Don't wait, don't wait. Anybody else, anybody else, anybody else? Okay, 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 you can put your hands down. In your own words, you simply say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. You gave me this moment. I admit, I make a terrible savior for myself. I invite you to be the Lord of my life, to guide me, to help me tomorrow and the next day. I don't even know what it looks like to be fully surrendered to you, but today I start the journey. You are who you say you are, the son of the living God who died and rose again. And I give my life to you, my plans and my future. My attitudes, my conduct, you name it, I give it to you. Help me, Jesus. And friends, I would say Jesus would say back to you, I'm here, I'll help you, I'll guide you. Trust me, trust me, trust me. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Would you give it up for those that made a decision to follow Christ this morning? going to end with a celebration of receiving our tithes and our offerings, our worship of God through giving, but also through voice and our singing. So would you stand where you are, but stay where you are. Thank you for being faithful in your generosity. We're doing, God's doing so much through this church right now, and it doesn't happen unless you're faithful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray that you bless this offering and bless these words of worship in Jesus' name. God bless you as you give. I'll dismiss you in just a second. Seth, lead us. Let's sing together.
I'm calling every one of you to a seven-day fast, not of food, but of criticism and disrespect and negativity, okay? Seven-day fast. You can do it. You can do it. But like, if you don't got something nice to say, find something nice to say. As you go out to restaurants, as you go see somebody, as you get, you, you get cut off in the parking lot trying to leave church. May you recognize and verbalize the wow in people because that's what Jesus has done in us. Amen. Next week we end this series. You don't want to miss it. See you next Sunday.